Yea, my children, the question has become, Is God dead? How can we know? Let's ask him and find out. Hey, God, are you doing okay? Such a familiar tone with your creator? Unforgivable! You will die for this. Well, I guess there's our answer, but you know what? If it's between God or me, I choose me. I can't help but wonder if there was a better way to invoke a deity. Oh well, humanity is free to do whatever it wants now. Now a podcast so grand. Whoa! So magnificent and so vast, it spans from way back when, right up through yesteryear. No way! Yes way! But it starts with Phil. How do you choose the best equipment? And Mike. The one that looks the best, dude! Bill, Mike, this is really quite simple. Unless you get an A-plus on your final oral report in video game history tomorrow, I have no choice but to flunk the boat of you. Two epic airheads. Mike, we are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. One time-traveling telephone booth. Uh, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm here to help you with your history report. Who knew the history of video games could be such an excellent adventure? Yo, dude, I have experience bar. How do I get experienced? It's like when you learn stuff for a long time, you know? Oh, oh, look, Mike. Okay, let's check it out. Hey, who is this old dude? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Hey, excuse me, old dude. Do you know if there's any bogus bosses of historic significance here? How's it going, ugly pixelated dude? These are your hosts, Philip Willis. Those are some hot magic slinging babes. And Mike Minky. It's a gaming report, not a babe report. And all kinds of games from RPG Backtrack. You guys are really us. What game are we thinking of? Shining Force, dude! Dudes! This is Phil and Mike's Excellent RPG Backtrack. And yes, this is indeed RPG Backtrack number 153, Demon Seed. And as that really long introduction pointed out, I'm one of your hosts, Phil Willis, and this is my evil shadow, Mr. Mike Minky. Why am I evil? Why can't I just be your alternate personality from somewhere else? Why does it have to be evil? Uh, because you work me like a dog, and so I, I just... Besides... Considering what we're talking about tonight, I should not be evil. I should be chaos, and you should be law. Well, this Doesn't is that true. make more sense? Okay, my chaotic shadow, Mike Minky. <laughs> there, chaos. Yay, chaos wins. And, you know, to round out our alignments today, we have the ever-so-lawful Alex Emptier. I'm, I'm neutral, but only because I used to walk through. <laughs> And we have the very neutral Michael Bakerman. Well, you're very low, Mike. Speak louder. This is my most neutral tone of voice possible. Thank you. <laughs> you must remove all emotion possible because neutrality can only be achieved by removing all passions. Or something like that. That, that is, if you are playing Dungeons & Dragons very literally. Okay. Hmm. 
And if you can't figure out today, tonight, this week, we are talking about a couple of Shin Megami Tensei's, uh, Tensei games, specifically Shin Megami Tensei 4 and Soul Hackers. And, uh, yeah. The, I, the full strict title of which would be Shin Megami Tensei Soul, isn't it Devil Survivor Soul Hackers? Devil Summoner. Devil I'm, Summoner, thank you. I'm sure there, that... There are so many variants to the Shin Megami Tensei games by now that I'm starting to lose track. I'm sure the that... The thing is, a, a lot of it was actually added on to the English title to make sure that everybody could realize it was part of the main series. So, go figure. <laughs> I am sure that Wikipedia will reveal to us the full extent of the name when we get to that point. Yeah, yeah. I thought... You just left us out there, Phil. It sounded like you had a Wikipedia thing ready to read right off the bat, but no. No, not yet. Not yet. It's not officially time yet. Before What's that? Which game do we start with? Oh, I'll tell you in a second. Because before we could do any of this fancy, you guys are just chomping at the bit tonight. There's no holding you back. Before we can do all that, though, we have to let our audience relax to a peaceful selection from one uh, one musical selection for one of these games. So we're going to do that. And then we'll come back. It's time for our main event where we take a game or a series of games, we dive into spoilerific detail, giving you the juicy juicy on these titles that you may have never played. You may this may be the only chance you get to experience some of these titles vicariously through our expert panel. And tonight we're gonna start with Shin Megami Tensei 4. Japanese lingo that's that looks you know right after that title which means literally true goddess reincarnation four according to Wikipedia this is a Japanese post apocalyptic RPG I like your I like your Japanese pronunciation there Phil yeah you like that uh, this it is sounded a, like it sounded like you were taken over by something the Ghostbusters would go after <laughs> I mean I guess I could have done something a little more stereotypical like Hachi Cookie Sushi San but that I like my rendition better. <laughs> Anyways, I thought you were doing an impression of one of the demons, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's all about the demons. <laughs> it sound like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I'm sure uh, being a Shimigami Tensei game, there are absolutely no uh, angel-like beings that eventually turn out to be the bad guys. Uh, anyways, this is a Japanese post-apocalyptic RPG developed by Atlas IV. The Nintendo 3DS was released in North America on July 16th. 2013, and, and it's more of a DRPG, yeah? Is it a du- more of a dungeon crawler RPG? 
Um, the roots mm. of the series are definitely Dungeon Crawler. Um, yeah, I wouldn't really say this one is. more than Shimigami Tensei 4, though. So if you had to give this one, like, a sub-genre, because I know that Shimigami titles can be from just about any <laughs> pot that they choose to pick from, which one... Which 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 one do you think Shimigami Tensei Four fits into? Well, to be honest, I think Megaton should just count as a genre by itself. There you point. go. And this is a this it's is a Megaton game. This is an MTRPG. There you go. All right. Hey, we need to make a month. For, <gasps> May can be MTRPG month because we have the whole month of RPG going on. We'll talk about that later during our um, final lap uh, segment. But uh, yeah. I think we need to make May MTRPG. Anyways, uh, who wants to start off by telling us about the plot, setting, and story of Shimigami Tensei Four: True Goddess Reincarnation? Oh hell, where to start? Oh, don't look at me. I haven't played it. Okay, so at the very beginning of the game, I mean, with the knowledge that the majority of Mega Ten games are somehow connected to Tokyo, and yet this one opens up with something that looks like it should have been in Fire Emblem. You have this very medieval-style city set on a hill with various tiers and layers that represent social stratification, and the prospective main character is going in to have a, like a testing ordeal to see if he has the potential to be one of the kingdoms. Well, normally I would say knights, but they're called samurai. So, and it, it only gets weirder from there. So what happens next, guys? Can you tell them? I can't help with this one. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll just keep talking then. Okay, so, well, when you pass the test, you get this nice gauntlet that allows you to communicate and deal with the demons that live in hell, literally hell, which can be reached through a hole beneath the city. And so it's the uh, samurai's, the um, knight's job to keep the denizens of hell contained. And um, it would be really interesting if they just kept it with that, but it just keeps getting weirder because um, due to story reasons, they have to go below, um, they have to go to the deepest part of the hell and then go deeper, and what they come out is at the top of the Tokyo Sky Tree. So the entire city of Tokyo is in a giant cave beneath the kingdom. And okay. the, actual, so the actual explanation for this I'm still trying to figure out what the actual explanation for this was, because it really doesn't make sense at any point during the story, but um, we had... Apparently, it's um, Tokyo itself is preserved in a state of just after the apocalypse. Yeah, I think there's... Yeah, there's some things where about time is different, so I think in Mikado, where the players start off, it sort of goes much quicker. Yeah, the the medieval kingdom above Tokyo is about a thousand years later or more. Yeah, I, th- I think Tokyo is something like 20, 25 years or something like that. Possibly even less considering how, I mean, everything's in ruins, but it's still in pretty decent condition for post-apocalyptic. I mean, there's still electricity and lighting through half the city. What caused the apocalypse? Do we know? Well, the general, the, go- um, the gods and demons of chaos and order decided to have a big fight above the city. That's generally okay, that, what happens in the series. And, that'd do it. Uh, what? That would do it. Yep. I mean, that's effectively how Shin Megami Tensei 1 started back in the day. So it's so in the city itself, you have different factions that are very similar to the ones from the first Shin Megami Tensei, um, that Shin Megami Tensei game. So you have, the um, on the side of Chaos, you have, oh, what were their names? The Cult of Gaia. 
And then you have... Then if, hmm? Yeah, I think there's Ring of Gaia. Was, There's something was the rather English than Gaia. Yeah. I think, yeah, Ring of Gaia was the English translation in the end. Yep. And then yeah. you have... Actually, Neshia is not actually really active in this one, is it? And no. I, I guess on order side, you would have the church up on top. The, who's te- I mean, they're technically your employers for this, and you have to do things to like investigate the city and try to figure out what's going on and send uh, materials and information back up. Yeah, well, Law is sort of the church, but it's really the 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 angels on it, sort of who created it and so forth. But. Yeah, I mean that's effectively what Messiah was in the first game, and um, and then you have the most neutral power group in the setting is effectively the Yakuza, or an outgrowth of the Yakuza that has developed to try and contain the chaos of it and basically bribing demons into doing stuff. And the way they're doing this, um, they, they found a way to produce quote-unquote demon food, and it's a, it's kind of freaky when you find out exactly what it is. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, is it on the level of Silent Green? Possibly a little yeah, freaky but... along that vein, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so how, how deeply do we want to disturb everybody with the spoilers? You know where we are. Let's spoil oh, everything we can. <laughs> Go the distance. Okay, so, well, about halfway through the game, you've taken an assignment from the Yakuza guys, and you're back and forth, back and forth, and then you decide to sneak into the Yakuza, Yakuza's base, and there's this weird upside-down version of it. I'm not even sure what's going on there. But what you find out is that all these children that the association has been taking away for possibly, or supposedly to help keep them safe, They've been hooking them up to machines and milking them for... I'm not quite sure what, but it... Yeah. They, they've, um, they've been operating on these kids and using their bodies to produce monster food. Children, huh? Yeah. And they've, they've been hooking wires up to their brains and, I mean, it, it's... Yeah. It's yeah, basically got people from. Yeah. I'm just but in a way that's that it would be... It's interesting that it would be children because you wouldn't think they would produce nearly as much energy as adults, but maybe it's, it's some kind of uh, spiritual energy. thing. Yeah, I think it's the like the quality of the emotional response that they're getting out of the kids' brains, or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, there's a, uh, there's a plot thread going back towards the very beginning, actually, where the same little red beads that are the demon food, if a human takes one, they change into a demon. And so there's this character who's calling herself the Black Samurai. She keeps going up to um, Mikado, the city above, and is attempting to cause peasant revolts by tempting people into turning into demons. And that's what actually kills one, your best friend at, towards the very beginning. He's like the first boss. Uh, yeah. But yeah, because he fails the sort of Yeah, most of the sort of start of the plot is you trying to hunt down the Black Samurai. Yeah. At the same time, they don't really use the whole, um, like, the, the stress within the class system in Mikado. They don't really take advantage of that as much as they could have. Yeah, there, I think there's, there's quite a few plot things that sort of go a bit un... Far too many. Unexplored, yeah. Far, far too many. So it just chooses to usually have something weird rather than go into it with any depth? Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering why they had Mikado at all. Um... 
but since they did, okay, why didn't they take advantage of this class system strife? Why didn't they use the um, the church leaders more effectively? Um, why didn't they allow for a, a more intuitive, neutral path for the for the game? Because oh, yeah. the neutral yeah. ending on this thing is awful. Is that yes, true so. for every for every alignment or one in particular? Or do you not even uh, get separate endings for your alignment? You get separate endings for the alignment. Yeah. It so, is are they actually, all terrible? No. Uh, the neutral one's easy. The, I think the gods is the best. But yeah. um, it's actually easy to get the neutral alignment. You just have to be told exactly how to do it. So, well, I mean, I think... That, yeah, that, you get various options. If you take the top one on every option, then you're fairly safe to get the neutral. Ah. But if you don't know that beforehand, then you're not going to be able to. <laughs> so when I was reading up on it, right, I mean, before it actually had an English release, the explanation was basically play one alignment as close as you can, and then at a certain point, choose the exact opposite alignment for your choice. And that should kick you over to neutral. And okay. well, yeah. yeah. This is giving me flashbacks to something I never expected, and that is that horrible thing that I played for my Dia Factory last year. Alex yeah, knows what it is. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to say it, though. Yeah. So this is definitely not the best example of a Mega 10 alignment system at work. Uh, no. So. Okay. Well, that's a disappointment. I seem to recall that our very own Glenn Wilson was not too enamored with it. Yeah. So, but yeah, he really liked the turn to me. Yeah, I remember neither Glenn or Sam were very pleased with the alignment system, but I didn't mind it cause, entirely because I played with a walkthrough, because I couldn't be bothered to deal with it. <laughs> and that is why GameFAQs exists. Sounds like yep. my kind of man! <laughs> so, I mean, for like a lot of the gameplay and basic story, it's generally better than Strange Journey, but it's not nearly as good as Nocturne in many ways. Of course, it depends on what you're looking for in these games. Well, we might as well hand, get into some details there. On the other hand, Strange Journey, at least, it's pretty easy to figure out how to get each of the endings without nece- without having to look up stuff. But, Ooh, uh, but don't, don't trigger Phil's soul- Strange Journey reflexes. <laughs> oh, somebody's having a flashback. Okay. Yep. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to drive me to drink. Sector don't, Epsilon. Don't think about Sector Epsilon. <laughs> of course, uh, driving Phil to drink is not that much of an accomplishment, so you shouldn't feel too actually, proud. No, never mind. It wasn't Epsilon, was it? It was Eridanus. There we go. Eridanus. No flashbacks, Phil? I think he's already taking a drink. I think I broke his brain. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, the, the level layouts are much better in Shin Megami Tensei 4. This sounds like it might encourage you, Phil. Are you listening? Is there like a cheaty boss at the end that kills your entire party in two hits and laughs about it and then you get a game over screen? Well, this is a Mega Ten game. <laughs> However, not quite that bad. Well, uh, um, obviously it depends on which path you're taking. But, yeah, just don't go for the bonus bosses, Phil. You you would not like them. Evil bonus bosses. <laughs> oh, but Phil, you know, Phil, this- Phil, there is a point in the game where... I mean, it's like you've still got a full chapter left of the game, but you can make the decision to just say, screw this, let's reduce the entire universe to null. Okay, cool. That sounds like my option. 
and you can just end the game right there. <gasps> and then I could review it. Reality. Oh, and then I could review it officially because I could say I beat it. Yes. Yes. Finally, a game that understands my needs as a boss, you know, as a reviewer. That is yeah. so great, and I can mark it off my backlog too. Chris, the annoying thing was when I first hit that point, I I was thinking, okay, this might be the way to do the neutral ending, and it's like, okay, this is. This is definitely the single most neutral ending possible because it's basically a neutron star. So, yep. Yeah, technically it's neutral. <laughs> yeah, very neutral. I mean, I didn't find the end boss in this one particularly tough. So I think nah. the biggest issue I had difficulty wise was the, the start of the game. Mm. It's, I mean, it sort of throws you in a bit and doesn't give you too much to go on at the start, and that was where I struggled most. And, so, and initially gave up. Sort of before I got to Tokyo, before I started playing it again. But yeah, after the first bit, it didn't. I didn't find it too difficult. So yeah, yeah, it really doesn't gel until you get down to Tokyo. Hmm. hmm. So how are the? Uh, did we talk about? Because I had to step away for a second. Did you talk about the graphics and the sound? <laughs> um, well, graphics-wise, it's actually a very nice-looking little game. Does it pull you in through a 3D experience? Because you know it's a 3DS title. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it was that immersive. I guess not. Well, they weren't really aiming for it to be that immersive, but it is like a third-person experience instead of the usual first-person. So there's that. Third? Per- oh, like behind the shoulder? Or just like you can see th- you can see the hero running around on the screen. Oh. You know what you normally expect from a JRPG instead of the first person. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, oh. it does have a couple of camera angles, although I kept accidentally forgetting what the command was to change the camera angle. I never bothered. It's there. Yeah, I think I think I found one, then annoyed myself by accidentally changing it, and then couldn't figure out how to change it back. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That sounds that sounds perfectly normal. Yeah, I mean the game looks pretty decent on 3DS, so. That's fine. Like all the dungeons are suitably creepy and Megaton-like. And um, in keeping with the fact that this was set in Tokyo, a lot of the subway stations that are now like um, survivor centers actually follow some of the old floor plans for the actual stations. So, I mean, not completely, because otherwise Shinjuku would be one unholy mess to get through. But um, you can see where they've blocked off sections that would lead into the greater labyrinth of the subway set station. Anything else y'all can think about? Um, I don't think we talked much about the combat itself yet. Oh, yeah, I talk about the combat. Uh, I was going to mention the actual map of Tokyo itself. Okay. Yes, because that's not brilliant. It's, it's not brilliant? No. <laughs> How well, is it, uh, is it outright idiotic or somewhere in between? Uh, it's more sort of very confusing. Ooh, to navigate, we love it? those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not too bad once you've sort of played through the game, so you've actually figured out where everything is, but sort of trying to explore is a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah. It's, cause it's really not clear sort of where you're, how to get to it, places necessarily, where you need to go, but yeah, once you actually get into Tokyo, it's really open in areas, and there are there are block points where you can't cross without certain events happening, but it doesn't really point you in any direction. You just have to find, um, like, the subway stations. You need to find things. 
in order to find out where you're supposed to be going or what you're supposed to be doing. Which could have been an interesting way to go, but again, it's it's like it's a situation where they went in one direction and they didn't they didn't really go far enough in the direction that they were going sometimes. If that makes any sense. They could have had it be a lot more open than they did. Yeah, I mean it's actually fairly linear and everything, hasn't it? So I mean you get you get some you get quite a few side bits but the actual yeah, going through the story still mm-hmm. very much a linear mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Well, I happen well, to be looking at half.com because when I was talking earlier about whether or not I should have bought it in advance or not, and uh, I paid probably, th- what, 35 when it came out or so? And it's uh, you can get it now brand new in the shrink wrap for 20 plus shipping, so maybe 23 Probably should have waited, maybe. Um, so the rare Atlas it should game, be about that. What's that? It should be about that, pl- that price now from the eShop anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this would make it the rare Atlas game whose price did depreciate. Well, yeah. here it actually got released at twenty pounds because of the well massive delay in actually getting it here. Oh yeah, you had to suffer. I don't even remember how long it was right now. Uh, it was released here less than a year ago. Yeah, twenty twenty dollars on Amazon too. Yeah, I think it was Atlas's first attempt at actually publishing something here themselves. I I do. I do wonder about people who sell stuff on Half.com or eBay for, like, a little more than Amazon. I'm like, hmm, thinking I'd rather just go for Amazon. Yeah. Anywho. Well, if you, if you want to well, feed it, eBay by constantly paying fresh listing fees, that's your business. <laughs> and, of course, Amazon's international shipping rates leave something to be desired. Oh, yeah, if you do it international. Uh-huh. I remember... <laughs> I remember buying a few books in the Netherlands off Amazon. That was fun. So my question to you, gentlemen, is is it worth the $20? That depends on how much you like this kind of game. Um, Do you honestly, feel it was worth $20 for you? I know. I paid like 40 So I'm Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's worth it. I'm not a huge sort of Mega 10 fan outside of Persona, and I enjoyed what I played of it. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I Afterwards, I thought, you know, I probably could have just waited a bit and had the price go down over here, because that's almost inevitable. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed it at the time, you know. I mean, I wrote, the, I wrote the original impression for it on the site. But you don't sound nearly as favorable looking back on it as you do on certain other Mega, Mega 10 games. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's... Like I said, there's a lot of missed opportunities... A lot of places where somebody thought, oh, this would be a really cool idea, and then they did not follow through on it. And so, it just it, that's that's how most of the game kind of felt to me. Unfortunate. What? Missed opportunities are sometimes more disappointing than outright non-existent opportunities. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a shame because I think most of the missed opportunities are all story-based. I mean, the actual gameplay is really good, so... Oh the, yeah, the, I mean, it's, the, the battle systems. I think one of the yeah, top, one top draw ones. Good. Yeah, I mean it uses these sort of the standard press turn stuff that if you sort of expect from Mega Ten style games now. But so, like yeah, if I you mean, if you hit a weakness, you get an extra turn, or is it a critical attack? See, which one yeah, was you it? get the extra turn. So. It was the extra turn in this game. Yeah. Oh, oh, those can be brutal when you're on the receiving end. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, and there's um, yeah, and is it is it in the in the, and apologize if you guys have discussed this in detail, I missed out. But it does it is it one of those games where your party members are all demons? You do have some human allies. Yeah, I think the human yeah. yeah the human allies just sort of get a bonus action every now and then, so maybe they'll sort of well actually is it every turn. Um, they'll they, either do an attack or a skill or something. Yeah, they don't. And, they don't do too much. And again, they are very strictly regulated by the plot. So of course you have the lawful hero ally and the chaotic hero ally, and then you've got the neutral girl um, ally who yes, the, yeah, you, you can identify as being the one. Yeah, you can identify the girl as being the only one who didn't wear pants. Yeah, they all had very similar haircuts, didn't they? So. so I mean that is a big. I mean that was the thing with Strange Journey is is you know when you're when you're in Strange Journey, of course you're stuck with all demon um, sidekicks for to to round out your team of four, and just your main character is the only human. And of course, you know whenever you have demons on the team, they all have distinct strengths and weaknesses, and and heaven help you if uh, <laughs> you know you run to a part of the dungeon that exploits one or two of your character's weaknesses. And, it in get... and it's not heaven help you, it maybe heaven kills you. Oh, yeah, yeah, heaven <laughs> likes to kill you a lot. Oh, yeah. 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 And, yeah. and I bet you it has Mike's favorite mechanic, where if the main character dies, it's game over. Um, no, Actually, it doesn't. So. They do that in this one, didn't they? Wow. No. You hear that, Mike? It's a Shimigami game you might like. <clears throat> I am listening. The next game we're going to talk about does does definitely have that mechanic, so I'll get to bitch about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's the reason I only played a couple of hours of that one. <laughs> yeah. So how? I mean, how did it work in um, Mega Ten Four again? Shin Megami Tensei Four. It was like there. I mean, if the main character gets downed, it's not an automatic game over. But I think you have. No, to... I think it's no. It's only a game over when the entire party goes down. Yeah, that was like the biggest difference in the game's uh, format by far. But yeah, it's got yeah. Apart from that, you've got the main character and is. I think it's three demons. So that's standard formula though I think you can get you can sort of carry a load with you just have three active at, at once yeah so yeah that was a nice change it's the game that Mike wants but maybe not the game he deserves but it's the game he needs considering what I'm playing right now Phil that's not difficult <laughs> oh boy but, but no you chose to play a Kemco game I've got no sympathy I did choose it I am earning good karma, sir. Lots and lots of good karma. And I need it, apparently. But no, that will be later. I, I should not start uh, getting angry right now. No, no, not yet. Okay. Well, I can't think of anything else. So, uh, we'll take a teeny, tiny, winesy little break, and we'll be right back with the second half of our main event.
dive into the second half of our main event by talking about Shibigami Tensei Devil Summoner Soul Hackers, and uh, known in Japan as. This is. You sounded like a. You sounded like a gremlin being fed after midnight. There. This is a Japanese RPG and the second game in the Devil Summoner franchise, which is a part of the Megami Tensei series of video games developed by Atlas, published by the same and by NIS America in the European Union. This was released on the PlayStation and the Nintendo. Well, like it was released on the Saturn. Sat- Bill. Saturn in Japan, yeah, <laughs> on the on the Saturn in Japan, November thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven, and the PlayStation in Japan on April eighth, nineteen ninety nine. But it made it over here to North America on April sixteenth, twenty thirteen, on the Nintendo three DS. This is a single player RPG hacking experience. Is this like are these like are these soul hackers? Are they like cats and they're like hacking up a bunch of fur balls? Is that what they are? No, it's more of a you get to experience the soul of somebody who died in his last few moments, that sort of thing. Uh, oh, and the hacking part. Remember all those 90s visuals where the internet was depicted as you riding literally along a, a circuit in cyberspace somewhere to pop out at your destination? Well, yeah, I mean, Tron taught me that. You get a lot of that in this game with the the FMVs. Nice. Uh, and no, we still have not gotten the first Devil Summoner because apparently, even though it was re-released on PSP, Sony looked at it once upon a time, Atlas looked at it too, and Sony said, no, ass, you may not bring that over here because there is not enough new. This is the explanation I have, courtesy of the Internet. And we yeah, know the not enough new content, supposedly. <clears throat> well, we know Sony has had stupider reasons for blocking things. <laughs> Looks too 2D. I believe that was a big one for a while. Anyway, Soul Hackers, you are a member of the Spookies. And the Spookies are this group who likes to just go into the hacking mentality and try to figure out what makes a mommy city tick. You know, those planned cities with a seemingly omniscient corporation responsible for their development, those have always turned out well. And when you experience the last moments of some guy who died in the Amami Corporation... Well, you start to learn this this corporation that owns everything and does it and de- determines everything about our city. It might not be as benevolent as we think it is. <gasps> shock of shock. Oh, and your mm, sort of girlfriend Hitomi, she gets her body partially taken over by a, a very nice demon named Nemissa. All things considered, Nemissa is not evil at all. She's just kind of a lot more outgoing than Hitomi is. And the two of you, because you also got the ability to summon demons, you get to go out there and figure out what the heck is with this guy's memories I'm experiencing and what the heck is the Amami Corporation trying to do to us. And I'm actually looking back at my review right now because most of the rest escapes me except for the fact that the first phase of the final boss had an awesome boss theme. (laughs) Well, getting back to the really, really far beginning, so we're talking about how they're hackers. The very first thing you do in the game is you hack the mainframe for this virtual world, like um, on player, online player thing, and create an account for yourself, and that's your naming screen for the game. I had forgotten that. <laughs> yeah, and so we were talking about the, having the flashback to the guy who died. Uh, what happened was, what happened was your 
beta testing the on the virtual world, and when you try to log out, a demon tries. Uh, a demon appears and attempts to um, overwrite your soul. Effectively, he he attempts to move in. And the demon looked like a fox, right? No, the coyote is actually um, an like an outsider assist. Um, not assistant. Um, spirit guide, I guess is the okay. best way to. Say. And so he help um, the coyote helps you get out of that and then takes you on a vision of a detective, a, um, actually, no, not detective, who was he? Well, a hard-boiled type character who's a demon summoner and is attempting to get something out of an Amami, uh, not an Amami, um, one of the company's research facilities. And as part of the dream sequence, you see him, or you actually set the code on the devil summoning computer to have it locked up so nobody else can use it. So when your hero finds it later, he knows the code to unlock it and use it. And that's where Nemissa comes from. She was the program that got stolen from the company. Who immediately takes over your girlfriend and it gets crazy. Yes. Well, Hitomi does pop out a few times, as I recall. Oh, yeah, they have some really fun conversations. Because they're pretty much dual opposites, personality-wise. Yep. And whenever Nemissa takes over, then the character's appearance turns into a photo negative basically very pale um, very very pale ha- um, white hair black eyebrows so and also looking a lot more sultry than usual <laughs> yeah it's amazing how much you can change uh, for a character's artwork just by making like tweaks to three different lines on the face it, i mean definitely the same character but completely different personality yep and both of them are pretty fun to see interact yeah Oh, one of my favorites is um, a ways into the game, Nemissa re- um, realizes she has the ability to directly translate physical items like the hero into the virtual world. So you're actually walking around there by your, um, for real. And so she first thing she decides to do is she decides to go shopping because she does not like Hitomi's fashion sense. So <laughs> I do remember walks, this, yes. She <laughs> walks into this online boutique picks out this, like, Emma Peel-style cat suit. Hitomi is complaining the entire way, but Nemesis is like, oh, shut up, this looks great on us. And then the virtual clerk is like, okay, um, see, so we just need your credit card information, and where would you like to have it sent? And Nemesis says, oh, it's okay, we'll just wear it out. <laughs> and she walks out the door with this cat suit on, and the virtual clerk is like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Yeah. And so for the rest of the game, she's wearing a black cat suit. Just because. Because she thought it looked good. And yeah. who's, who's to argue with her? He told me. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, so we're talking about stupidly long titles and everything. And Phil had his own fun gobbledygook. This one actually does not have Japanese at all in the title in Japan. It is just Devil Summoner Soul Hackers. Well, I remember looking upon the actual Saturn case and, yep, it was all perfectly legible right there. Well, I've got the PlayStation case right here, including the demo disc for Persona 2. <laughs> um, I, had the, I had the Saturn version mostly because it's a lot easier to play and import on the Saturn. Understandable. Well, I can tell you the PlayStation version is a lot cheaper over here. Well, even the Saturn version isn't that expensive, as I recall. No, but Saturns are expensive. I didn't have one. I that is true. <laughs> even in Japan, where it was actually a success, unlike everywhere else. And oddly enough, I was halfway through the game when they announced the 3DS version. <laughs> so it's like, okay, wow. I'm just going to go play something else and wait for the 
um, version with the improved graphics and no disk switching to come out. And certain interface aspects that are better. I, d- yeah, I don't. But... Were you able to save anywhere in the original one? No. See that that is a good good thing I would say. Yep. Especially since this game does have the, my wonderful, wonderful, loved characteristic of the protagonist dies, game over. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fully realistic, Mike. Think about it. The story's being told from his perspective. If he's dead, there's no more perspective. Well, then all of you, I mean, your entire party, except for Nemissa, is spiritually contracted to you. Yep. It's so. perfectly logical. Ironclad. Mr. Spock wouldn't have a problem with this. Oh, I think Mr. Spock would have problems with many other things in this game besides that. Yes, he would. And while I'm thinking about it, I just have to say, it's nice to see that some of the demon images that the SMT games were using in the 90s, they're still with us. Oh, yeah. they. Some of these are... They have these their own selection of classic images that they don't really ever change. I mean, they'll update for the graphics, st- um, like graphics capabilities, but it's the same design. Yeah. Oh, and another 3DS enhancement, I do believe, since, you know, we have the second screen. It has a map. That's really handy. Oh, the the original game had a map, too. You just had to go through the menu. Which, you know, is also handy, but having it right there so you don't have to go into the menu, that's... Nice, yeah. It's a small thing, but it's so darn handy on DS and 3DS stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, but PlayStation version had Pocket Station support. Ah, yes. Now, that was a draw. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I can't understand why Sony never trumpeted that to the skies. Yep. However, I do have to say the Street Pass version of this same thing for the 3DS version was much better implemented. I didn't even try, mostly because I was playing it at home at the time and not taking it anywhere. Thus, Street Pass would have been remarkably useless. I would. I have to go somewhere in order to get Street Pass activated. Yeah. I know, I mean, not long after I got it, the 3DS version, I went to TGS, so <laughs> no problems there. I got a it really in. <laughs> high-level Mechi now. Uh, I'm getting Dimpaman flashbacks now, and I don't want to do that. Um, but, okay. okay. So, so this game is part of a, a Megaten side series, the Devil Summoner series, which also includes the two PlayStation 2 action RPGs, oddly enough, in its own weird way. But one of the things that this um, the side of the series is known for is there are no real moral alternatives, unlike the core games where you have the chaotic, lawful, and neutral alternatives. No, the closest you get is that I don't remember if there are any demons that out and out refuse to work with each other. Um, if the ones that are on extreme lawful or extreme chaotic will not work with the ones that with ones that are on the opposite side, no matter how deep. Okay. But that just means that you can't put them on the same, um, put them on the same party together. And again, right. 3DS version, you also have the hacks. On the 3DS version, you can actually quote unquote hack the game and do things like turn off alignment issues for party membership. Oh yes, of course that also. Bothered, but yeah, one of the hacks was the difficulty select, which um, can be very useful. Yeah, there was the difficulty select, there was the party alignment measures, and there was one more. What was it? Did it have to do with money you got? I'm trying to remember. uh, I think you could actually toggle the full map without actually having been there. Was that one of it, or no? Oh, yeah, that was an ability. Yeah. But, yeah, so 
Atlas did have fun coming up with new ways of making the game easier if you wanted it to be. And I was trying to get through it in a hurry to write the review, so I did take advantage of that. Yeah. But, I mean, it was a nice option. And because even at easy, there were a few times when some instant death spell would come along or something that wasn't even instant death but would still somehow... You keep the engagement ring on. <laughs> in what, like the second level of the game, in one hidden spot you can find a ring, and this ring blocks instant death. And I don't think I found it. And that's making me very unhappy now. Game FAQ. Oh, I'm typing this in com ring. Also, I want that ring. I mean, I don't remember it being hard to find, but it also drops from certain enemies in the hotel. But yeah, so getting back to the storyline thing. So the Devil Summoner series was originally imagined as kind of a detective story set in a Megaton style um, setting. I think so, that's most visible in the first Devil Summoner just from the the art yeah. they came up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The original Devil Summoner, your main character is... Um, I can't even remember if he dies or not at the very beginning, but he gets accidentally... His, he gets his soul accidentally transferred into a, de- um, a Devil Summoning detective who, uh, um, who runs the Kuzunoha Detective Agency. And so you're trying to solve might even be solve your own murder. I'm not sure. I've never been able to play this one because it's only been on the Saturn and the PlayStation Portable. I don't have either. Um, Although I think the PlayStation Portable is cheaper for you now. Probably, yes, but um, we're also looking at time investment here, and I really can't afford that. Fair um, enough. And then, so, for Devil Summoner Soul Hackers, again, you have a central mystery of what the heck is going on with the virtual world. And you have different issues where people are either temporarily or permanently losing their souls to it. And you have the Kuzunoha Detective Agency in as side characters. Fun. But again, it's, it's, very, it's generally a very linear, linear thing. You have a very definite set of bad guys. There's no real moral gray area here. No, and you have a lot of set locations, and some of you, them you can't even go to until it's the right time. Yeah. So it's... It's much it's much more straightforward than a lot of the me- other Mega Ten games, but at the same time, it plays to its strengths really well. So, yeah, I one thing that I mentioned earlier, and I'll mention it again because you'll feel it while playing this game. It just oozes that '90s vibe of uh, cyberspace as virtual reality. That aesthetic. Oh yeah! All you have to do is watch the opening sequence. The opening video sequence contains a good portion of the FMV sequences of the entire game. Completely out of context, but it looks really cool. It does. Yeah. They, st- they still look pretty good. So but so the fun part comes in, um, the devil summoning part comes in with the way that the company has perfected its virtual reality software. Do you remember this one, Mike? <sighs> so I remember, I remember going into virtual reality a lot. Well, the core of the virtual reality system is this uh, add um, this hardware add-on that they were giving out as part of the, the program is there's this chip called the crypto. Crypto chip, you have to break into the factory that makes these at one point to investigate them. But at the core of the crypto chip is a parasitic, semi-demonic entity. And yep. this, is, this is ringing a bell. And so this little... It's, let's, I don't even know what it's called in the English version. It's called like a spore. I think it's name it was spore in the Japanese version. But it will latch onto your soul and pull the soul over to the virtual realm. So 
everybody's talking about this completely incredibly immersive virtual reality, but what it really is is the virtual reality is actually a section of the demon world, and the virtual players in the game are actually astrally projecting themselves into the game or into this layer of the demon world via the computer chip technology. And the company, and actually the uh, Phantom Society, the actual name, the Phantom Society behind the company, is harvesting soul energy off of the users. And sometimes it's fatally. As will happen, and you know, if you suck the soul away, then the body might just die. <laughs> yeah. And so you, um, and so several of the plot missions in the game involve trying to rescue somebody who has become lost in the game. So at one point, the main character's little sister, who is suffering through her final year of junior high school, ninth grade, and um, she gets she literally gets lost in a painting in the online art museum. I remember this part, yes, because... Uh, yes, and it includes one of my most hated bosses in the game, Skippy the Wonder Dolphin. Yep. Skippy the Wonder Dolphin. What a pain. Yes. But the fact that one of the most... I mean... Yeah, um, get, to get such a visceral response out of a boss that l- looks like Flipper with Halo and wings. It's really funny. Um, yes, yeah. I'm remembering fighting Skippy now. I'm remembering it taking forever. Oh, and did I, you ever figure out the secret trick to beating him? I think I just so, waited. I, I was just taking yeah. so damn long because he... Yeah, the first time I killed Skippy on PlayStation, I ended up nickel and diming him to death for the longest time. Because what makes Skippy so annoying is, first of all, he has physical resistance, so no physical attacks will do more than 10 damage, usually, and he absorbs magic. So yes, this I'm remembering us, this. This gets us to one of the fun aspects of the Soul Hacker's battle system. You can only absorb so much HP. You can actually absorb above your maximum HP limit, but the more you absorb the more likely you are to hit a critical point and die from too much energy. I think I ended up nickel and diming him just because I was running low on MP and needed it for healing. Yep. So, yeah. So when I I got back to him on the 3DS version, I had looked this up a long time ago and found this out. So I did not bother with healing for the most part. I hit him with every spell I had that I knew he would absorb, and he died within 10 rounds from over... Powering, it, and, and ten like, rounds may not sound like a shortcut, but with him, it is. Yes. So, um, yeah. So it's like in some of the old Dragon Ball cartoons where you had the energy absorbing um, opponent, and the way to kill him was to overcharge him past the point where his personal capacitance could not hold in the energies. That's how you beat Skippy. Or you can take the stupid long way, like as like I yeah, did. How, and how long did it take you to nickel and diamond to death? Because I think it took me like forty five minutes. I'm going to say between 35 and 40 minutes, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this game is full of fun little tricks like that. Um, I did not realize that you could overcharge to death until much later in the game, the first time around I played it, when it happened to one of my demons. I was like, so much for relying on uh, on damage absorption to defend. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's it's a neat trick. Yeah, I'm surprised that more games haven't done it. Of course, the trick that really annoyed me was towards the end, uh, like in the last few levels, the Succubi, the Incubi, and Loki. Do you remember those, Mike? Yes. 
the only I, time I have ever seen de-leveling, literal de-leveling, happen in a video game. Yes, I am remembering them precisely now because that yeah. just that just inflamed me. The only yeah. time, no, I had seen that in one other game. It was Izuna, that that weird roguelike sort of thing. But where, roguelikes, you, you expect to lose all your levels at some point. Except it was a weird roguelike where it had a, a, an actual progression and a story, and you could get... Uh, yeah, it was... But it really, really ticked me off there, and it really ticked me off here, too. So I recall abusing yeah. the Save Anywhere feature as much as possible because losing levels makes yeah. me unhappy. So the basic thing was is that the succubus and the incubus could target a, a, an opponent of the opposite gender more specifically, your hero and Nemissa, and the first hit would paralyze, and if they got a second hit in, they would permanently lose a level. Yep, that that was and, so wonderful. And then there was Loki, the, the next level, um, the next uh, stage up, who could do it to anybody with level, actual levels. Since in this game, the, de- the demons in your party couldn't level up. No, they just have a set level, and if you are not that level yet, then you can't command them at all. <laughs> Unless you use a computer plug-in that specifically allows you to do it. I don't remember if I did. Um, actually, that one may have been one of the plugins available through through New Game Plus. Actually, yes, Possibly. I believe it was. It was the Steven plug-in. It was named after the the, science, <laughs> the researcher in the first Shin Megami Tensei game. Huh. Uh, it, it took away level requirements for demon combinations. Nifty. Which was... even Oh... Did you have fun abusing the accident system for the for fusion? I remember fusion just being kind of fun in general, but uh, yeah, so accidents. So well. in this game, your 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 uh, demon computer, which actually had this weird gun shape to it, but you could actually fuse demons in the field, but just basic one-one fusions. If you wanted to do triples or wanted to do extra stuff, you had you to had to go back to uh, wherever Victor. that was on the Victor's ship. Yes, there we go. And um, but with your gun computer, um, you could put different plugins into it to have different effects. So, for example, there was one plugin that would allow you to regenerate hit points every step. There was another one that decreased encounter rates. There were several that affected how you could or the conversations you could have with certain types of demons. There was one that actually there was um, a particular combination of two parts that could raise your accident rate with the Devil Fusion to 99% of the time. Hmm. Keeping in mind that a an accidentally fused demon could be up to five levels higher than you. Yeah, accidents oh, don't really have any rules. You just are getting something that you didn't expect. That could be amazing. <laughs> Quite often it was amazing, oddly enough, and there was there was like three different, three different sets of demons that you could only get through accidental fusions involving a specific type. So I didn't, I didn't research that at all. Yeah, there were the rare beasts, the wild gods, and something or other. I can't remember the third one. But yes, there were some... I mean, if you wanted to fill out the entire demon index, you had to take advantage <laughs> of this. Or if you just wanted some really, really strong things early on, you could take advantage of this. So. Of course, once you've gained a few levels, you'll have to go back and do it again. But Yeah. So, but, such I mean, is life. But, I mean, you could just... Like, doing this, you could go into a very early level, get two really dinky demons, fuse them together, accident, boom, they're like 30 high levels higher. So. Well, demon fusion in general, pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was very well done in this one. 
Not as well done, I recall, was the sheer amount of shops you had to go to and the sheer amount of merchandise that you had to sift through. Yeah, but that's... Yeah, that's the series. Yeah. Yeah. And I also recall having... Every now and again, demons would just drop certain things a whole lot, and eventually you would get way too many of them, and you wouldn't be able to carry them, and that would just stink, but there's no way around it. Just use stuff. I mean, give monsters gifts. Raise their happiness. Well, I did do that. So what did you think of the Demon Trust bar? Well, I did my best to keep my demons relatively happy with me. When I had gifts that I more or less knew they wouldn't throw back in my face, I would give them. And that seemed to take care of it for the most part. There were a few times where the demons would just go off on their own. But, you know, most of the time you're fa- you're fairly safe mm-hmm. if you know what you're fighting to let your demons do what they naturally do anyway. Yeah, I remember in the days before the English release, um, or even before the 3DS release, and it was a common complaint I saw on some of the boards about especially the cool-headed demons, the ones who were very calm and strategic. And a lot of players had absolutely no idea how to get their, um, get them to do stuff that they would agree to. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have that problem? And I just realized, you know what? You just tell them to do whatever they want for a few rounds, see what they do in this, these particular circumstances, and then just copy them. And I, had, I never had any troubles with trust with those guys. Yeah, and with them, you, the instant you got something like a book or anything they could read, that was usually what they would like as a gift. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't even bother with gifts half the time. I could just, I mean, it was just not that hard to get everyone up to top level if you didn't mind fighting a lot. So No, and fighting, you know, fighting is, uh, it works. Yes. It, it's, it's the kind yes. of fighting where you actually have to pay attention in random battles so that you don't use something that will get reflected back at you or some kind of crap like that. Plus, uh, plus you're using up magnetite every single step of the game, so you need to replenish that somehow. Well, as I rec- it may have been because I was playing on easy, but I don't recall getting more magnetite being a problem. It probably it gets been- cut down massively if you play on a harder difficulty, though. Yes, it does, or normal difficulty, yes. So, any favorite parts of the game? Well, you mentioned going into the factory after that crypt- crypto chip. I remember that being very effective. And the virtual reality segments, as dated as they are now, they scream 90s, but they're very oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember going into a multi-level undersea, or mostly undersea, research facility. Mm-hmm. And... Do you remember the mall walkers? Not yet. Um, your dad gets caught up in this one. Apparently there, um, there's a secret facility connected to the mall for some reason. Um, that's or its secret entrance is connected to the mall, and they're running some sort of cryo suspension experiment. As a, um, I think it was originally meant to be like a way of harnessing spiritual energy, and the combined tortured spirits of all the people frozen in there sort of break out on the ether and drive a bunch of people in the shopping area crazy. I'm not remembering that yet. And so you have to find your dad at the mall, and he's. He's just going on a rampage, um, screaming and yelling and stuff. I do remember having to find him. I think did I have to find mom too? No, or I don't think mom. E- don't think mom ever disappeared. I think Sister. she was the one member of the family who didn't have much to do with the computers. <laughs> exactly. Then, then there was your best friend who got caught up in the House of Horrors simulation and had his childhood trauma appropriated to be part of the storyline in there. And the demon in charge of the 
um, you know, the demon in charge of the House of Horrors had remodeled itself to become the ghost of his little sister. I'm remembering some of that. Yeah. I'm trying to... The final boss was... Uh, not the CEO of the the Amami Corporation, but somebody high up in it. One of the yeah, programmers, the CEO, I believe. The CEO got killed earlier, um, like a chapter two earlier. And it, I remember he was turning into a demon, so he was kind of non-responsive when you got there. Yeah, I think he was trying to... Um, what's the right word here? Um transcend himself. It had something to do with the twin gods that were buried under Amami City. Two gods. Yeah, you had to defeat one of them in the flashback, and then you had to defeat the other one in modern, in real time. Yeah. yeah. I do remember that first that first phase final boss theme being pretty darn good, though. Oh, yeah. Great music in this game. Yeah, I should listen to it again. I remember it being very 90s dance floor-ish, for the most part, and that fit the setting of a computery place very well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the place where you go to get your modification chips is a um, is a techno club with a possibly gay couple running it. I can't remember the Alpha and Reticula. I can't remember if they were actually were gay or if they were supposed to have an Osaka accent. Okay. And that would be completely lost in the localization. I don't remember them being flamboyantly gay to the point where I would remember it now, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, but they also named themselves after stars and were kind of playing up the alien, um, like, we're not from here angle. They were weird. You're going to get that in your SMT, I think. Oh, yeah, you're always going to get that in the SMT. At least we didn't have any genocide in this one, technically. Not no, and we, we, just have, we just have a corporation trying to dilute your bodily essence and use it for evil. That's, oh, that's, yeah. not, too, that's not too dangerous. And the visuals, you know, for a first-person game from the mid-90s on a console, it holds up pretty well, although that may be the 3DS screen and me not having to look on it on a big TV screen. Honestly, yeah, that's a lot of it. I think I even said that in the impression is maybe they maybe they uh, uh, remastered the graphics a little bit. Maybe it's just because the screen is smaller, but the videos look a lot better in this than they did on the PlayStation. Yeah, I mean, the video sequences, the graphics in general look a lot better. I mean, it's almost the exact same thing, but it's, yeah. Maybe it's not being spread out over a gigantic screen that makes all the difference. Yep. Anyway, I did enjoy it for the most part, despite the occasional fits of rage at, You moron! How could you die to that? And despite my lack of concrete memories at the moment, it, it was a very fun experience. Phil, where are you? Phil wants to know, though, was it $27.49 worth of fun? Yes. I, I can like name the... games that are more expensive and less fun, so sure. You know, I was listening to y'all talk about the the, <clears throat> the graphics and stuff, and just looking at some screenshots, the, um, the, 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 the 3D aspects, it looks like that the dungeon crawling is like a first-person perspective, like the old Persona games, is that right? Yeah, 100%, 100% first person, yep. Oh yeah, this is from the same time period as Persona 1 and 2. Hmm, interesting. But like, there's a Persona, map, Phil. But didn't Persona 2 even have characters from the Kuzunoha agency in it? So they're technically even in the same universe of Megaten. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, like as I said, my, my copy of Soul Hackers has the demo disc for Persona 2 Innocent Sin in the back. So, yeah. 
So, so that that particular graphics, uh, anyways, of the dungeon screenshots don't exactly uh, wow me, but the cutscenes look very nice. Oh yeah, uh, the detail in the artwork, like of the characters and stuff, is very expressive. Mm-hmm. You can kind of tell what got the the lion share there on the on the retouching and the such. Nice. Mm-mm. Well, it sounds like y'all had more fun with this one than the last one, despite the fact that the uh, main character can uh, end your game for you. It, this one is just, like, Shin Megami Tensei 4, it, just, it was very big, lots of stuff. It was very unfocused, and it didn't take anything as far as it could have, whereas this game is very focused. Like we were saying, the original game in the series was based on a detective-style story. And so is this one essentially. It's just it's you know where it's going, which way it's going. It's always moving forward. It doesn't try to distract you or throw random stuff too much random stuff at you. But it all just kind of work comes together really well. Now, Alex, you said that you only played a couple hours of this, which must mean that you weren't quite as enamored as we were. Yeah, for it was basically because of the instant death stuff. So I think I got sort of hit with it a few times at annoying points and just sort of moved on to something else. Well, you know, I can't blame you too much for that. Yeah, Mega Ten is an, a bit of an acquired taste. If you if you don't like the style to begin with, you might want to just avoid them in general. Yeah, that's why I think Four is actually the only one I've really played either much that or of outside try, of Persona. Either that or try a different subset that has a completely different play style. Like, the first two Devil Summoner games play very similarly. The second two Devil Summoner games are completely different. In setting, in style, and in actual game combat. So. Uh, those two... Right, okay, maybe, so no. They may be a little harder to get a hold of, though, because they're Atlas PS2 releases, and I'm not sure how cheap you, how cheap you can get them now. True, true. Yeah, I think they're both on PSN. Okay, not bad, then. So, hmm. If you've got PS3, then you're Easy enough. Well, well, if if you're in North America, anyway. <laughs> Are they on the PAL PSN? Oh no. Um, actually, I need to, I, I need to check, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> Unfortunate. Well, there are ways around that if I need to. I would think so. Sony has Sony has always been extremely vigilant about making sure that people do not put region games that are fr- that are not appropriate to them onto their consoles. Or maybe I'm thinking of another developer. Well, it's more fact I have a US account, so <laughs> and there's people in in the US who could get me money onto that account if I need to. So <laughs> there's that. There's that. Yeah. Well, there you guys go. Sounds like that one's uh, that one's a winner. Are you going to get it, Phil? You know what? Uh, according to Amazon.com, I purchased this item on January 31st, 2013. January so, yes. 31st. Yeah, January thirty first, twenty thirteen. Yeah. When did it? When did it ship to you? Well, I'm not really. Well, yeah, purchased. Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. Will it tell me that if I click on this button, it says view this order, or was that view this disorder? Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can remember my fifteen syllable. <laughs> Whoa! Wow, I was on a. I was. I must have just got my bonus for end of year or something. Wow, that was a big order. Um. Oh. Doesn't I don't think it quickly shows me just as four shipments, but I, I don't see what day it actually shipped. Hmm. Evil. 
Evil. Well, now that you know that you have to track your copy down. Yep, yep. We will have to do that. Show. Nothing else on y'all's guys' mind about that one then? Mm, nothing on mine. I think we've managed to cover quite a bit about it though. Okay. Alright, well, we're going to think it might be doing similar sometime, but you never know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we'll take a teeny tiny break and we'll be back to wrap this up with the final lap. This is the final lap where we read comments, tell you what's on our mind, shoot the breeze, and throw in the kitchen sink. And we're going to let, before we do anything else, we're going to let Alex tell us what he's been doing because Alex is calling us from a land far, far away. And Alex needs to get some sleep. So what's up with Mr. Alex? Well, I'm debating, I think Michael's further away. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) He's He's just in a slightly more... He's in a slightly more uh, daylight-oriented time zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, what have I been playing? Uh, actually, I've been playing a lot of Dragon Age Inquisition recently. And how's that Just... working out for you? Heard it's set? going well. Yeah, it's going well. I was sort of replaying stuff and trying to use it as an excuse to play the various DLCs that have come out so far. But yeah, I keep forgetting how big the game is. I think my playthroughs. It's my second playthrough, and it's still sort of a 60-hour 60 60-hour 60 one, and I can see there being at least 20 hours ahead. So, yeah. But. Dang. That's a beefy game. Oh, yeah. Well, but, yeah, still having fun with that. I mean... You must really be enjoying it. That's your second run-through. Yeah. It's sort of first and a half run, so actually sort of just rather than doing the full thing, I went back and loaded up a, an earlier save because there were a few things I wanted to do differently, so... So, so are you enjoying the 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 the, the shift in focus? Like, how's the combat flowing? Did, were you like a fan of the old one, or do you like the new the new more actiony style? Um, I think I prefer the new more actiony style just because I'm not particularly good at the tactical stuff. So, I mean, it's it suits me better being able to do this, play it this way rather than because yeah, I mean, the Baldur's Gate style games I really suck at. So, I prefer the movement towards the more action-oriented stuff, so... 
It, it, uh, what, uh, what system are you playing it on? Uh, PS4. And does it look real pretty? Oh yeah. Yeah. It does look pretty. Makes makes me makes me glad to own it. One day I'll actually sit down and play it. Have they done like a game of the year edition of that yet with all the DLC? They, they, I think they announced it like a week after the last one, the last bit came out. So. Oh, okay, so it's coming. Um, well, you have a PS4, Phil. You could take that Wasteland Two copy that Max been shopping around. Wasteland Wasteland Two on the PS4. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yes. Why would they do that? I guess it's a tactical <laughs> RP. I, I I guess it's it's not anything that would require PlayStation 4 processing power. I mean, okay, well, it is kind of... Pro- okay, I'm pulling up the screenshots now. I guess it's been a while since I looked at it. I suppose. I just... I, I just... When I think Wasteland, uh, tactical RPG, mouse-driven, I'm, I'm not thinking PS4. You don't know. Well, obviously... Your imagination is clearly failing, Phil, because it's, it's it's there. It's there. Okay. All right. I I you know hate. I shouldn't hate. I mean, XCOM that was on the PlayStation Three, and um, you know it works. It, it it actually it's pretty good. It's 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 fine. Sure, sure. I know I'm going to get some hatred for that. <laughs> I'm, no, a, I'm sorry. Got... I'm a I'm a PC. What's it called? Not a. Uh, I'm a PC elitist. I just I just feel like that. That's the kind of game that just flourishes on the PC and is a little. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no, no, you're right. It should, it should work. I'm, I'm, uh, well, welcome to all the times. You've got Divinity, Original Sin, and Sword Coast Legends coming to console as well. So, yeah. Well, I mean, XCOM. I played XCOM on the on the uh, PlayStation Three. I, I would go back. I would go back to the PC. Um, I gave it a shot though because it was a free PSN of the month game. So at least I got to see it, and and yeah, it can it can work. It just doesn't quite feel the same. It doesn't feel nearly as fluid. And of course, with PlayStation Three, you're going to take a a bit of a, a graphical uh, bump. It doesn't quite have all the options either of the PC version. So all your soldiers end up looking the same because you can't really customize them. But um, but if that's what you have and you don't have a PC, uh, that's a you know an awesome game. So yeah, I'm glad because um, I'm a big fan of tactical RPGs, and uh, I guess the more platforms they get them on, uh, the more people they'll play them. That's awesome. I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, Dak. Keep going. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, of games I've been playing, I've been very slowly working through LBX, Little Bathless Experience. And how's that going? Uh, not too badly. It's it's sort of it's traditional level 5 RPG, so you've got the basic Saturday morning cartoon plot of ridiculousness. In, that, in this one, there are tiny, tiny robots, and, of course, about within the first half hour, you're... The kid is noted as uh, having the power to save the world through tiny robots fighting in super strong cardboard arenas. So, <laughs> only in Japan. Does, does Japan. it does it look as cute as it sounds? Uh, sort sort of. What I found is it's not quite as cute and just fun as the Inazuma series. Hmm. I think I just sort of prefer that, and I think the way the Inazuma series sort of actually builds up to the saving the world thing and that it actually spent the game where it was just concentrating on a football tournament and then went up to the saving the world from bizarre cloning or alien invasion to do with football. <laughs> or whatever other weird science fiction plot they could shoehorn into the sport. Oh yeah. Though I still remember playing the demo version of Inazuma 11 2 years ago and just finding it completely hilarious the way they managed to involve Soccer ball drones and an alien invasion on the school. Oh yeah, well, I think Inazuma Two is my favourite one so far, just because of how 
Just ridiculous, amp- it sort of amped up things from the first one. It's like, we we know this is going to be ridiculous, and we are going to own it. We are going to make this the weirdest stuff you have ever, never actually connected to the sport of soccer, or football, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. And then you get in the realm of Inazuma Go 2, in which you're playing uh, football with dinosaurs. So. <laughs> yeah, I played the demo version for that one at TGS 2, and I was like... There were no dinosaurs in the demo, unfortunately. It was Joan of Arc. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think, yeah the dinosaurs are fairly late on in the game. So. Too bad, because I would have really liked to see a game with uh, see a soccer game with dinosaurs. But Joan of Arc was cool, too. Well, you know, T-Rex yeah. had really powerful legs, and not being able to use its arms wouldn't matter in that game. Yeah, getting an Ankylosaurus as the goalie. Let's see. A Pachycephalosaurus would be just fine, because it can use its head. Yeah. So, actually, yeah, so, so, there are a few dinosaurs that would not be able uh, to actually handle the ball. So soccer would be a great sport for them. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, yeah, LVX is sort of slightly different. I mean, it's got the same basic structure of the overworld sort of graphic style. I think that's the same. The battle system's a lot different because it's well, it's more much more action action mecha based stuff. But in the the actual gameplay is pretty solid. So you get into that and hopefully get a review up at some point soon, TM. Yeah, and I think the other, the other one I'm playing more recently is I'm trying to get in. I'm trying to go through Shadowrun Dragonfall. Oh, that looks that looks pretty. I mean, I had a lot of friends who enjoyed the original Shadowrun. Oh wait, that yeah, is Dragon. Think... That is it. They're <laughs> Shadowrun Dragonfall. Um, that is the original I, I, one. I'm thinking of the Hong no, Kong, yeah. Hong, Hong Kong uh, expansion. I think Dra- Dragonfall was actually the second release. I think it's sort of a standalone. What's called? I think it was Shadowrun Returns. We'll see. Uh, One before that, yeah. I'm so confused. I think we now have more Shadowrun games than we did back in the '90s with the 16-bit ones. Yeah. <laughs> actually, considerably more. Yeah, uh, Dragonfall. I'm actually trying to play on a Windows Windows 8 tablet. Does it work? Yeah, it works. Because I mean, the it's all sort. Of, it is. I think it's been released for iOS and Android, so it does have the tablet. Tasty controls. It's not okay. quite as yeah. I mean, using a mouse is probably easier, but I'm t- trying to see what I can actually play on the tablet, which I primarily bought just to play visual novels on. So I'm seeing if it works with Shadowrun, and it seems to be working pretty well. And it's a very strong game. So ah, yeah, oh, yeah, that that'd be an awesome game to have on your tablet. That controls working out good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just sort of basically clicking stuff. So instead of clicking stuff, I'm tapping stuff. So. <laughs> Cool. That was enough. I mean, you get the occasional bit where it's trying to be a bit finicky, trying to get the exact spot I want to go to, but yeah, you get there easy enough. Well, that sounds awesome. Anything else you want to share? Um, not really. Although now's probably a good time to may as well mention the Shin Megami Tensei Four final announcement. Oh yes, the one that you, <laughs> the one that you just had to bring up on Twitter. But at least uh, that allows us to be nice and timely with this episode, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the power of backtrack. Last time we managed to make System Shock come out on GOG, now we've managed to make SMT4 get it a final version. Well, it's Isn't actually a, a... Yeah, it's a new game. Yeah, don't it's just... Atlas fails at sequel naming. Don't call it final if it's a sequel and not... Uh, so yeah. confused. I actually had to read the article on that like three times just just because, you know, this whole thing confuses me. Not that it takes much. 
I mean, when the two Persona 2s make more sense than this does, and that's amazing. So, Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've got five. So how many games are there in the Persona series? Five. What's the latest one? Four. What? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, there, there were two Persona 2s. Really? Yeah. Like, why didn't they just make the... Th- the other one, Persona Three. Oh, that confused the hell out of me too. The fact there was two Persona Twos. Oh, and we're not, and, and we're not and counting the, the second one. The second two was the one that got released in America the first. So. And we're not counting the multiple versions of Persona Three or Four, right? No, we're we're actually counting games that are um, canonically separate by time. Okay, because extra versions just makes it even more complicated. Oh, the fact, yeah, the fact that Atlas does do extra versions that does not help with the confusion any. Oh, now now you scrambled up my brain so much I completely forgot. <laughs> well, that's appropriate for this particular series. Yes. Yeah, I forgot where we were at. <laughs> okay, we were talking about what everybody was doing. So what I'm doing right now is an old three I mean, well old three DS RPG from two thousand eleven called Beyond the Labyrinth, um, Reverend No Kanata. And I think I mentioned this um before we started recording, but it's Technically, it's a first-person dungeon crawler. The game starts out with... It's like a, like a really, really retro... Oh, multi- it looks so online. pretty! Oh, the, oh, that's what happens later. The very first part of the game where you're introduced to the fellow quote-unquote online players who are your party members and to the, introduced to the basics of the game's battle system, you're playing through a first-person crawler dungeon that would make some of the old Famicom games look sophisticated. It is like it barely qualifies as 8-bit. But as you're playing through here getting the basics of the battle system down and suddenly hear a voice over over your speakers when the sound in the game is again 8-bit and you're wondering what the heck did you just hear? And it happens a couple more times and suddenly after the third time the screen goes full to static for about three seconds, and then suddenly, what you're seeing through the screen is a completely different game experience. It's like PlayStation 2 or up um, graphics, and you have this girl on the other side of the screen knocking on it and saying, hello, hello, can you hear me out there? It's just got all I can find when I search for screenshots, these really pretty pictures of this girl wandering through this uh, overgrown labyrinth. Yeah, she wanders around with you. Um, I mean, you're playing first person. She's walking around following you. So, uh, like I said, it's like somebody at Triace played, like, Ico a lot over one weekend, got a bit drunk and decided this would be a cool idea. Make it, remake Ico as a dungeon crawler. Ooh, that sounds awesome. It's kind of interesting. Especially if I've had a few beers. Yeah, it gets even weirder once the... um, once the girl starts picking up actual more actual magic abilities, and so you can start charging up, charging her up for special attacks and things like that, huh. because for for like the first level and a half, all she can do when it's her turn is throw a rock for one damage. Oh, jeez, that's it. Well, that's however, not... however, at the point where I am in this game, I mean, every time she lets out an actual magic attack, her storage capacity increases by a bit. So at max right now, she can do ten thousand damage. Nope. If I can get that high, and if her health is at max. Well, I see. It, it looks. Uh, it looks super. I the screen. Uh, the screenshots are pretty in- intriguing. I. It looks pretty decent for a uh, for a, a 3DS game. I am very. 
very amazed at how nice it looks, considering it's a four-year-old 3DS game. It's like one of the first. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that makes it even more impressive. Those early, early games were relying more on the, the 3D technology than the actual detail. Well, and don't, don't try the 3D on this one. It, you, you often get double images. It just—it does not work. The 3D does not work, work very well with this. Mm. Yay! Bad 3D. We love to hear about that. No, we don't. Yep, yep. But as for the game itself, it really helps that it. First of all, it is a first-person perspective for the most part, so it's really easy to work with um, graphics recycling in that case for the just for the setting, and then you have the backgrounds and the distance that look really nice. And the girl is the single best rendered item in the entire game, Might but the be. monsters. All- the monsters all look really cool too, but they're much more. Um, they're not as detailed. They actually look a lot like the slags in um, the Dusk games for Metelier. Very bright colors and some geometric designs to them too. Hmm. Interesting. Do you, do you, uh, well, yeah, there's a lot of Japanese text on the screen. Since they do you need mastery? Well, I mean, the conversations between char- uh, between your play characters are all done in texting. Um, via the 3DS, supposedly. Uh, so, however, in order to understand anything the girl is saying, you need to be able to understand spoken Japanese because they do not provide subtitles for her. Mm. And she will talk a lot, though she has yet to actually tell me what her name is. Hmm. Maybe that's going to be some special thing that will feel like a great revelation. Big game in, in-game reveal. Oh, I'm betting on it because I'm like eight zones in out of a... I'm in, like, level 8 out of 11. Hmm. Yeah, each of the zones is very different in appearance from one another. Well, I do appreciate that. And as far as uh, first-person dungeon crawler goes, it actually looks really... I mean, it's really well organized. Cool. Well, looks pretty cool. If you're looking for a good Japanese import, check it out. uh, Amazon's got it. Got listed for forty two dollars with free shipping. Uh, sold. Uh, sold. Get it significantly less. <laughs> Get it significantly. <laughs> if anybody wants to pay me good money, I'll take. Ooh, let's see, twenty five for it. Uh, okay, including shipping handling. That's about five bucks here. Okay. There you go. So, uh, just uh, how how can they get a hold of you if they want to pick that up? Oh, my email's on the site. They can look it up. There you go. Go to rpgamer.com. There's a little link for the RPG uh, Gamer staff on the left-hand side, and you're you're looking up for Mr. Baker there. Um, that's how I look at everyone's email address. What's that? Oh, also for SRPG September, I tried two different games. Oh, cool. Which ones? Volfoss was the first one. That one... Did you ever see the cartoon movie Heavy Metal? Hmm. I know of it. It's coming on Turner Classic in a couple of weeks, and then I will be able to watch the whole thing. It, so it, it looks like that? It looks like it ha- It was kind of inspired by some of that aesthetic. It is really weird. The guy who did all of the character designs, he went on to des- to design monsters for the Kamen Rider series. <laughs> and um, just the character designs uh, alone would be enough to have kept this game from getting localized. Yeesh. Yeah, so you might like it. The uh, the newscasters who appear like every after every major event in the mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. are a pair of mop topped angels with underboob showing. Oh jeez, nothing yeah. like a little underboob. Yep, and they're probably the best 
Um, or, okay, there are characters who are more sensibly dressed, but not major characters. Um, yeah, it gets... The, the character designs are beyond insane. Your, your mercenary team's manager, business manager, looks like Cthulhu in a three-piece suit. <laughs> yeah. Or, hmm? yeah, it's not weird. But this game... Um, so your mercenary group has a ranking as compared to the 50 other groups active on the continent. And you have to get your ranking into the top 25 by a certain point in the game, or the game will just end. And you're told about this, like, six stages before it happens, and it's and it never explains exactly how to raise your rank properly. So I can't get any farther in this game than 20 stages in. Do you and know how many there are total? No idea how many there are, how many phases there are total, but a lot more than that because the get the game's story had just barely gotten into gear, <laughs> and the only way to continue the story was to get in on this tournament that you need to be at least rank twenty five to get into. Joy, yeah. And the other game was called Exaform. It's also a strategy RPG, obviously, and it's um, like post nuclear apocalypse kind of thing. Can we go back to under poop? Because I'm more interested in that. I'm sorry. Keep. Oh really? Okay, let us no, no, just messing. Find a good picture. That, that's just the devastator talking. No, we don't really need. No, no. Last time Mike sent me a picture, here I, we I go. was twitching in my sleep. Here we go. Okay, try this character design on for size that we actually have. If you guys go to Volthos on uh, game page on RP Gamer, go into the screenshots and look for screenshot number ten. Holy crap. Oh, that's just that's just wrong. <laughs> that's just wrong. Yes. Oh, no. Come on, man. <laughs> just just come no, on. I'm poking around elsewhere. Here, try this fashion sense out, I Phil. Mean, just look, can't look at you, that one. Can you guys just have a little mercy on a man? I mean, come on now. Is that really you necessary? I mean, shoot. Have you, have you yeah, seen this see fellow? He actually looks halfway. Okay. Or, or is that a is that a guy or a girl? I can't tell. It's a girl. Okay. Let's the guy. Are you, are you looking at it, Phil? Phil? What the hell is that? What is that? What What is Riley? Is that? Is it one of them? That's gender? her name. That's her name. Riley. Is it a, her or a, what the hell? It is a girl. I just no. I'm confused. I think I'm confused about my own gender now. Oh, that's just wrong. Oh, they get weirder, Phil. No, 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 no. Okay. Come on, no, no. no. Here's well, one that's, okay, here's one that is definitely a girl. There, I, that, I that have, is definitely a girl. I have a family to support, God. <laughs> Holy crap, what the hell? It, it looks like she took a dive into Willy Wonka's pool of craziness. Oh, I, yeah, well, okay, if you want one that's most likely a guy, okay, here. Holy cow, it looks like she wrapped herself up in the crazy assortment. Oh, what the, whoa. <laughs> Whoa, he likes bonded. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's just... What? what? No, no, no I, that's I th- just... I think, I think he lifts too much with his upper body. I, I, Dost thou even lift? That just defies description. <laughs> you can't even describe that. Well, he's a guy who's mostly defined by the fact that he's completely wrapped up in a ball and chain. Like yeah. off of a wrecking ball and chain. Yeah, something. Whoa. That just, that just brings uh, a whole new level to bondage. Anyway. Wow. Now now I'm scarred. How, how am I supposed to sleep tonight? Really? How am I supposed to sleep tonight with those images flowing through my head? Do you know how much I'm going to have to drink? How much gin tonic have you had? 
I'm gonna have to drink. I haven't drank anything tonight. Really, it's just been really, yeah, really. You know, because we might have to start. I, I'm gonna have to because you know we were having so much fun talking about Shimegami and stuff, and you know, and shoot, <sighs> anything else, Mister Baker? Um, I'm running out of D- of DS games I haven't played yet. Huh. I wonder what that's like to run out of. Oh. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, it means I might have to resort to Tales of the Tempest sometime soon, which I have been informed is the probably the biggest mistake I could ever make. So we shall be seeing if that really is true or not. Does that word come from Mr. Apps? That word come that word comes not only from Mr. Apps, but also from Sam. And um, I read a little FAQ from the guys who did the uh, translation patch, import translation patch. Talking about how this is most, how about it, this is the most fundamentally flawed game they have ever worked on. Oh boy! Not just in terms of story or writing, but also in terms of basic programming. Well, I, it sounds like you might be accruing some good karma in the near future. That's the best face I can put on perhaps, it. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, what about you, Mister Minky? Mac asked me recently if I would be willing to take this thing from the company Chemco, which is known by some of us. I had never experienced a Chemco game before. I took this Chronos Arc thing. I have been playing it. You know, I don't my game clock only reads about four hours, but it feels like so much more. It feels like I've been spending so much more time with this fascinating game. Yeah, I'll I'll use that adjective right now. Don't you love games where characters can get killed in one turn it, just because the random turnover screws up that badly? Well, yeah, everybody does. Uh yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a game. Uh I I I love the Here, go Go randomly find elements at these draw spots in the dungeons that you have to wait to replenish by going in and out again. And maybe if you get the right ones and have just enough of the right ones, then you can slightly improve your equipment, which, of course, you will need because the stu- stupid game can't be bothered to provide regular equipment upgrades. No, you- you're going to constantly need them. Just, uh... And I just learned that I have this thing called a class change available, and I don't know what the hell it's about. It- Okay, so I can class change at level 30, and I apparently keep all the things I learned by getting there, and my stats mostly stay the same. So what? what is the point of it again? I don't know. And, yeah, I, I got asked by... A, no, a king, who I had to fight twice because he was an idiot, was such a jerk to me that one of my characters actually asked him, Well, don't you have a cheek for a king? I believe they were trying to say, Don't you have cheek? But uh, when you add a definite article to that sentence, it makes no sense anymore. And yes, he definitely has a cheek. I have a cheek. You have a cheek, Phil. You have a cheek, Michael. Everybody has at least one cheek, unless you've gone through something horrible in your life, right? So I got like four yeah. cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I know exactly which bit of grammar from Japanese was actually present in the original version. And I can see how it would get translated out that way. Especially since it's a section that would probably not have been needed to say in English. But yeah, but just like, well, for a king, you're awfully cheeky, would probably be the better way to translate it. It would. Or, don't you have a lot of cheek? Something like that. Yeah. 
but the way it was cho- the way it was actually translated makes no sense and caused me to stare at my screen for a moment. You really said that? And of course, there is the whole I'm chasing a guy, a strange guy with a Mohican. That is the description I have of this guy, and he does not have a mohawk. I know what a mohawk looks like. This is not a mohawk. It's, if anything, more like uh, Sideshow Cecil's hairdo. Obscure Simpsons reference for the win. Yeah. Um, uh, the question is, is he a Sideshow Cecil or a Sideshow Bob in personality? Thus far, neither. I mean, I've kicked his butt in a couple of fights, but all he does is just mwahaha and run away because it's that kind of game. I'm sure I'll have to fight him again and again as it goes on. Uh, anyway, th- this is this is not a good game. It's music is kind of nice, I guess. There's that, but I don't usually play with it on because uh, I like to do other things rather than pay- give my full attention to this thing. Uh, and I was also playing some more Chaos Wars the other night because I clearly don't think highly enough of myself to not subject myself to things like this. Now, Michael, if you ever play Chaos Wars, you simply must import it because the English version cannot be done justice. The Japanese is probably purely competent, but the English is so completely, sublimely incompetent that you must experience it. Mm. And if you haven't heard of the legendary now Chaos Wars localization, do seek it out, just so you can know just how bad these things can get. As for the game itself, it's an Idea Factory game, which means loads of fun for people who like to hurt themselves. <laughs> masochists of the world unite. Well, Idea Factory keeps selling, so there must be a lot of masochists buying its products. No, they're just a lot of people with questionable tastes and viewing material. Well, we know that. There were a couple of people who just had to chime in when I finally finished that agorist thing and wrote a review. And, of course, they never said anything else. They just wanted to chime in. Well, I don't know what the reviewer is thinking, but I love this game. I'd put it among the top games of the last generation. Five out of five. And one this of them had to Rio, say... was it? Look back at the review thread. Oh, I you, will, you will find a couple of people who chimed in only on that review thread just to say, what could I have been smoking to make me be that nasty toward it? Obviously, they didn't read the review very well. So, uh, what else? Mm, I finished System Shock 2, as evidenced by that review I put up. I finished Etrian Untold 2, as finished as evidenced by that review I put up. And of course, Phil only wanted to know what score I gave it. He didn't care about helping me proof the text. Oh, no. Mm-mm. It's all about the numbers, about the bottom line. And trying to find the Agarest review comment thread on the forums, it's amazing how often Agarest gets mentioned and you don't That's... really realize until you do a search and you realize, okay, we're coming up lots and lots of different topics that tangentially mention Mike's review <laughs> uh, as, um, I guess, a litmus test of awful. Yeah. Okay, there it is. Here. Here we got found it. Agarest Generations okay. of War? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, just look for... Where are these people? Well, at least, at least Techside said that you took one for the team. He did, because TechSide is a cool dude. And... Ah, there... Johnny HG. There's one. I'm a little confused as to how the reviewer managed 126 hours without even attempting the true ending. Well, Johnny HG, you didn't read what I had to say about how often it crashed on me. Now, did you? Clearly, you didn't. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember that comment. That sounded like one of the deep ones. Yeah. Clearly, the reviewer was frustrated while playing the game, and maybe rightfully so in some instances. Agarest isn't a game that holds your hand. <laughs> well, no, yeah. Saga is not a game that holds your hand. Agarest is one that nails your hand to the door, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, yeah I'm sure if I had spent... Right now, and has he actually done anything except... No, he has not. That's the only comment he has made on the boards. Yep. Ever. And it looks like he joined up specifically to do that. I would have given it a 4 out of 5, but we are all entitled to our opinion. I would just hate to see this review deter people from playing Agarest when they would otherwise give it a chance. I would not hate to see it deter people from playing Agarest. I would be ecstatic if I can help someone out there who might think that Agarest is for you. If you read that what I had to say and then decide, wow, what you have to say makes perfect sense. This sounds terrible then we are on the same page, good person. I would like to think that I have helped you in some way with all the time that I spent that I can never get back. No, it's long gone. Okay. No, no. Uh, and anyway, then there was Ajith, who... Somebody else who actually replied twice. And, and never did anything else. Yeah. Dunno! I love strategy RPGs, and Agarest was excellent! Yes, Agith, Ajith... You go ahead and think that. If you really believe it, uh, I have nothing further to say to you, really. We're just never going to see anywhere close to eye to eye. However, Rhea kind of agrees with you on this one. It's like, I can't rate this game one out of five simply because then I'd have no way to display that the others are worse. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, There's... he still thinks that Agarest 1 is better than Agarest 2 or that any Agarest is actually good, but... He's, he does agree that Generations of War is really bad. Then again, Rhea also thinks that any game which makes you choose from more than a set party is very bad because he hates that. And also, he does not consider monster collection games to be real RPGs, and in order to be an RPG, you must have a transition from a like a field screen to a combat scene, screen. Yep. So action RPGs are not really RPG. Nope. Yep. And I know that since you get more than six characters and your battle party can hold more than six, then, well, yeah, obviously wouldn't like this. I remember that was why he didn't like most of the Sweet Coding games, because he had to choose among people. <laughs> anyway, Etrian Untold 2. I had fun with that. Even if I actually need to go back and technically finish it, it was the weirdest thing. I had beaten the final boss. The credits were starting to scroll. I had to sit down the game for a minute, because I was writing the review in a hurry, you know, it, it's two months after its release. I kind of wanted to hurry up with that. And then somehow something bumped my stupid system and the cartridge popped out. So, I did beat it, but I haven't actually seen the full credits because of that. And uh, that was unfortunate. Anyway, Phil, what have you been up to? Well, not a, not a whole lot. Been uh, been pretty, pretty uh, busy with work and budget season, so... Uh, didn't get a whole lot of playing time at all in uh, September outside of uh, some Hearthstone and because uh, I had a friend over for the weekend. He's really big in Hearthstone, so got to do uh, got to do a lot of that. Then um, and we were doing like arena runs and 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 if you don't know the way arena run works is you pick uh, from from uh, random uh, deck of cards and um, uh, they they present like three at a time. You build a deck of thirty cards by picking one of three. Whoa from each set of three and uh 
and, and then you you play against other people. It's kind of like you know playing one of those draft games in the in the store of Magic the Gathering. Uh, you can actually win. Uh, you have to spend 150 coins, which you earn slowly in the game every day. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a premium, or you can pay two dollars of real cash. And you can win anywhere from a uh, dollar twenty-five to upwards of like three or four dollars worth of of in-game prizes, so to speak. So it's like a very small version of gambling or something. Anywho, uh, so he was over. And we played a lot of that and just had a really you know great blast because I took the laptop and hooked it up to the television with an HDMI, which is the bona fide way of playing Hearthstone on the big screen. Um, What's really funny was uh, you know even though we enjoyed it, we we both really kind of suck at. It. I mean, the people who do this are pretty hardcore uh, and I think we were only averaging uh, like two and a half wins per run so the way it works is once you've lost three times you're out and and then they look at how many you've won and that's what your prize is based on um, if, you, if you win like two or three you basically kind of break even you get like a 150 gold worth of, of stuff for the 150 gold you put in almost so uh what was really funny was after he left and having him here, it's like uh, I started doing one this week. I did a reading run this week, and I had like a few hours on Sunday. So I sat down and started playing through, and I got Druid, and I'm up to seven wins, which shatters my previous record by two because uh, it's the most I've ever gotten before. It's five wins, and I've only gotten one loss so far. And, and you can stop any time once you've completed the game, and you can go back and continue your run. So I'm afraid to go back and touch it now because I'll probably get like two losses in a row. But uh, that was pretty – that was – pretty much the epitome of my excitement i've also been playing some albion for orpg october as i mentioned before we got our little month of uh, rpgs that some of us do and we talk about it rp gamer there's a lot of different um groups at rpgamer.com if you head over there you hit up our forums uh we've got different groups of people playing different rpgs and you can jump in and join in the discussions and some people are going through like entire series um, one game at a time and talking about it each month and, and uh, LL Whoops and a few other people. What's that? How are we defining old for ORPG? You know, uh, as the keeper of the web page, so I'm like the authoritative source and I say it is completely subjective and up to you. <laughs> okay, so I'll just keep playing my, my four-year-old 3DS game and my 15-year-old strategy games. Yeah, there you go. And somebody asked me on, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but somebody else asked on the forums, what if they're playing like a, a port uh, of an old game? And I'm like, it's whatever you consider to be uh, an old game. I mean, I personally think that if you're playing, let's say, you know, Mike just recently reviewed uh, Etrian Odyssey, the two uh, remake port there. Personally, to me, that would qualify because it's still an old RPG underneath the hood. It's got a new coat of paint. Uh, it's got a couple of new fancy tires and rims, but, you know, for me, underneath the hood, it's still a, an old-school dungeon crawler. Um, so, hey, but I, it could be a brand-new game that's just very retro in its feel, and that could be an ORPG to somebody. For me, you know, uh, you know, when I was thinking about, okay, what game do I really want to play here, I've got this huge... Of course, i got huge backlogs all over the place, but... Um, uh, I've got a huge uh, GOG backlog. I see old games on there, uh, ones that I remember from my childhood or teenage years or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go buy, buy those, and it's sitting there in my GOG uh, library. So I'm yep. like, what's that? I was going to say, and you're talking to the guy who managed, who talked, um, who got all five of the Quest for Glory games over GOG earlier this year and has reviewed all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've been working hard on that. Those are Those are fun to read, too. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I remember seeing uh, Albion, and that uh, when it came released on GOG uh, not that long ago, I think like six months, give or take. And it caught my eye because uh, the release date mentioned was 1995. Um, and I'm like, a 1995 PC RPG that I have never heard of before. So I took a look at the screenshots. It definitely looks like a 1995 RPG. It's kind of even got the, the text and the fonts that I kind of remember from that time period of playing games like Spelljammer and the such. Um, so uh, I went ahead and bought it, uh, and it was, uh, it's been sitting there. And I'm like, okay, great, great pick for ORPG. And so I've put about three hours into it so far. Uh, and it it, it 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 it's gotten 209 reviews on GOG with five stars so far. First impressions, I can see why. I mean, for a 1995 game, the uh, the artwork is detailed. It's a lot of text. They've taken a lot of time to to think this out. Uh, essentially, the premise of the story is that uh, that and and I'm terrible at names, so don't ask me actually name any of the characters. But the uh, the the main character is is tasked with uh, visiting this uh, planet um, in a shuttlecraft or something that looks a little bigger than a shuttlecraft from Star Trek. He talks to his girlfriend. I think what was really funny, I took screenshots and I posted them on Twitter. If, if you're not following my Twitter, you should because because there's some funny moments. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and this. Uh, uh, he comes out, he, he's had a rough sleep, and it's got this psychedelic cutscene that I took screenshots of as well. And he wakes up, and his girlfriend's out there waiting for him, and she's like, oh, what's wrong, honey? He's like, hey, I just had this whacked-out dream. Oh, wow, really? Hey, um, just thought you should know that your bud or whoever, your peer, died. Uh, he was testing out the new uh, communication array or whatever it is, and the, the thing blew up, and he's dead. And he's like, oh, bummer. You know, that that's a... That's a real shame. Well, I think I'm gonna go grab a snack and see if they need me now. You know, just it's just it's just hilarious. It just it wasn't even a speed bump in his day. Uh, and then he gets right to the I think the uh, the communications array himself. So it's it's like not even worried he might be the next one to get blown up. But but whatever. Uh, they uh, I'm at the part. They get in the ship. They they go to the planet, but an emergency happens, as is typical in any episode of Star Trek featuring any sort of shuttlecraft. Even though it's not Star Trek, uh, the, the shuttle, whatever it's called, uh, gets force landed on the planet. Uh, he wakes up under the care of a bunch of cat-like creatures who uh, do not b- believe in um, what's the word I'm looking for? Clothing, clothing. Yeah. So the very first thing you get is this cutscene of this very pixelated, topless Catwoman, uh, which would have been really, you know, awesome back in 1995 now it's just really funny because of the pixelation and she's yeah boobies and they're completely lopsided and out of proportion with her shoulders which is even more hilarious uh i posted that one on twitter uh though i did a little graphic editing just in case there were any sensitive children or parents whatever following my twitter account but anywho (laughs) you get the idea um it definitely has this very strong ultima go and grab everything that isn't nailed down vibe to it and when you talk to the uh, – when I'm talking to the NPCs, uh, there's this open-ended option a lot of times that says ask ask me about blank. And you click on that, and it opens up your inventory. So you can click on any item in your inventory and ask them about it. And, of course, 99% of the time they're going to say, I don't know anything about that, which I – it's already giving me heart palpitation, as Mike Minky knows, as any of our listeners know who's listened for a long time, Uncle Phil – can't stand 
uh, puzzles and point and click secrets in his RPGs. Um, it just was, it's like peanut butter and mayonnaise. They weren't meant to be put together, uh, in my opinion. That's just my opinion for, for what it's worth. Uh, and so I, because I, I know what's going to happen is down the road, there's going to be at some point some NPC that I'm supposed to show this doohickey to that never connected to my brain that I'm supposed to show that doohickey to. All Phil's going to know is that he can't get anywhere in his freaking RPG and he doesn't know where to go next. So, uh, well, then, Phil, you need to try the quest for glory games then because they're oh, yeah. the. That they are the point and click or actually text parser adventure game with oh, yeah. G elements. So you just play it like it's supposed to be a point and click game and you'll get through. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no no I I I, I think I got through was it uh now is the Quest of Glory is that the the one that used to be Heroes Quest back in the day and it got renamed? Uh, the very the very first one was originally titled Heroes Quest, but they yep. forgot to file a trademark or something. Yep, yep, yep. And somebody else stole the trademark, so they re released it as Quest for Glory. Yeah, that those are the ones. Yeah, those are the ones I played and I remember those uh quite fondly because I remember the combat in that was like an over-the-shoulder perspective. Uh, so I imagine on your 486 or your 386 or whatever I had back in the day, and you've actually got this you know, this character model that takes up a decent chunk of the screen. You see the monster in front of you, and he's pretty detailed. There's no background whatsoever. Poor computer could barely handle what was going on then. And the animations were like one frame every two seconds. Uh, but you actually had to time a couple of things, and your stats would go up. Uh, Later games managed combat a lot better, personally. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, back in that day, I mean, that was as close to an action-y kind of combat system I ever seen, uh, outside of a you know a Nintendo platformer or something or a dr- Double Dragon. I mean, it was just like, and it's an RPG, and you got stats that go up the more you use the magic spells in combat and such. Uh, yeah, no, it was that was that was absolutely. Uh, yeah, those were good times. I never beat that game, and I and when GOG released it, I played it again with an FAQ because uh, I wasn't going to go through those damnable puzzles again and uh, without uh, you know having the answers right there. And I still didn't beat the game. I got stuck on the stupid um, the mages uh, puzzle uh, game, the board like maybe, the. Maybe we should save this for next spring. Yeah, oh, oh. we should. So back to Albion, which we do not have an RPG backtrack scheduled on. I do not know why. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can see it turning out to be one of those things. I've already started using a, an FAQ in anticipation of my possible stress. I just want to put some time into the game. I don't anticipate actually getting all the way through it uh, unless I just fall madly in love with, with you know. But uh, but the gra- the graphics and I, I haven't got to combat yet though. So. I'm looking forward to see how well that pans out. Um, one of the things is when you're equipping items, it says what classes it's good for. And they have some very interesting um, classes to choose from, uh, techie-sounding classes. The only the only, uh, the only down, uh, the little sad face from me as far as this GOG release goes is that there is no extras. There's not even a, a manual. So... For an old school RPG, it really helps to know what the classes are and the statistics and how the game rules work underneath the hood. Those things were pretty manual dependent, um, so we'll we'll see what happens. I haven't had to make too many choices yet, though. I mean, so far the main character's already there. He's and there was a a govern uh, a govern not a governor but a a government Governess? govern a governor personnel that traveled with them. That's like a second character. And at no point has it asked me what class you want to be, where do you want to put your attributes, or anything like that. So I haven't beaten my head up yet so far about not having a manual, but uh, 
we'll see what happens. Um, so, God bless those people at GameFAQs, though. Sure enough, despite the obscurity of this title, there is, uh, so far, it's been a pretty pretty good FAQ. So, God bless you guys. So, more on LB, Albion later on in the month. And that's all I got. Uh, we are going to remind everybody that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. Your favorite source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on that. You want to go check out all of our extra podcasts and news stories. Mike, Mike, actually, we've been touching on a lot of the news stories uh, all through the night. You can read them over in detail at RPGamer.com. And check them. Oh, one more other little news bit real quick. Uh... Might and Magic Hero Seven, uh, yeah, don't 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 do it. Just say no. Go play older. Mike, just putting that out there. Okay, Mike, why don't you put us to, as I'm just kind of going on here. I'm I'm just pooped. Woke up at five this morning. Do it, Mike. Yeah, you you, you usually go with do the it. the sister shows that we have, but it's... sister shows RPG cast RPG uh, Q and A something or rather, and and people yelling at each other. Uh, RPG people. Uh, active topical banter. Yes, there's that too. It's all at RPG. People Gamer. yelling at each other. That's it's the all. new name, apparently. It's all there. RPG people yelling at each other. RPG chaos. RPG active topical banter. RPG back and forth biting each other's ass. It's all at RPGamer.com. I mean, shoot, you cannot find this many RPG related podcasts in any one place outside of iTunes. So do it. Just do it. Just do it. But have you seen that video, by the way? Sheila LaBeouf. No. Go on to YouTube. Yeah. Sheila LaBeouf. I, I tried watching that. Just do it. It but reminded you, me of why I can't stand the Transformers movies, because but, he won't shut up. But did you see where they make fun? Like, they put him into other things. They totally added him into other videos. It is freaking hilarious. I, I, I just... You, I think I, I just gotta tweet it. I'll tweet the link to my favorite collection of just do it, um, spiffs. Okay, okay, just go. Just do it, Mike. Just just do it. Do the ending. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep rambling. Uh, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to have to summon some kind of demon to put you down for the night, and hopefully it won't put you down too long, because... Summon the Sandman. Exit light, enter night. Why not? Sure. Exit light into night. Go ahead. Take his hand and go off to Never Never Land. <laughs>